Um, I, I picked three. I couldn't help myself. Chapter 30 has a lot of fun stuff in it. And I'm going to show you the dangers of taking a scripture out of context. I'm going to give you half a proverb. Start with one of those. Proverbs 30, verse 2a. I am more stupid than any man. <laughs> if you stop in the middle of a scripture, that's what you get. Okay, here's another good one. This is the full scripture. It's kind of fun. Proverbs uh, 7, this is verse 17. If you make fun of your father and refuse to obey your mother, the birds of the valley will peck out your eyes and the vultures will eat them. <laughs> I know you came to church to be encouraged. How's it working out so far? Right? Okay. All right. And I, I know I normally only pick one, but I just had fun. Now, this, here's another good one. This is actually, I mean, they're all good ones, but uh, 32 and 33. If you've been foolish enough to be arrogant and plan evil, stop and think. If you churn milk, you get butter. If you hit someone's nose, it bleeds. If you stir up anger, you get into trouble. Okay, so... A little bit of fun in Proverbs before we get into today's message. Let me think about this uh, for a minute here. So, so there's this routine that maybe you'll be going through tomorrow morning um, at work. I'll go get some coffee so I can get the latest scoop. I'm going to tell my buddy some secrets and see and, and you know, what, who, what so-and-so has been saying about him. And I'm going to check out the latest celebrity gossip. And I'm going to play some politics with the boss. Get the latest scoop. Tell my body some secrets, celebrity gossip, politics with the boss. Rumors, secrets, gossip, politics. Rumors, secrets, gossip. And a lot of people think that those kinds of sins are completely unavoidable, but other people think they're absolutely required. And so we, we started talking last week about um, what I'm just going to call required sins. Um, they're not actually, some of you are going to go say what? What, what are you talking about? You're going to preach and you're going to tell us there are required sins. No, I just think that a lot of people in our softened culture think that there are some things that are just part of life and you really got to do them to, to, uh, to get along. I mean, there are so, a certain category of sins that everybody would agree they're wrong. They're always wrong. Murder, always wrong. Rape, always wrong. The big ones, always wrong. But come on, there's a category of sins that have become so commonplace that it just seems to be a part of our social structure and it's not that big a deal. The problems come up, though, because in the, in the eyes of our Lord and our King, they're not okay at all. And um, even they may be acceptable, they may be permittable. Some people think they're required. But just because our culture says that they're okay doesn't make them okay, and it certainly doesn't change God's mind about them. So we're going to look at four, we've been looking at, or we're going to look at four um, very common sins. Last week we talked about lying. Today we're going to talk about, uh, we're gonna, well, I'll get to that in a minute. Next week we're going to talk a little bit about lust. And I want to say right now that um, the material I've been kind of working through on that one, it could get a little bit PG. I think we're okay with this crowd, but I just want to warn you, it's not really a day for you to keep your six-year-old with you in church on Sunday. Um, just heads up. And um, um, I mean, the issue of lust, um, it's, it, it's, it can get a little bit dicey. And I think there are a lot of people who really struggle in that, that, that topic. And I, and I think we're going to hear some things that can, I think, really help some people out. Um, and then the last part, the last, uh, the last sin that we're going to address in this process is um, has to do with anger and temper. And, and so we'll talk about that. And I think the Lord's going to help us with that too, so that we can channel those emotions correctly and in godly ways. So every week I want to start though with, a, with what I think is a very, very powerful prayer that uh, David prayed 
and he was beset, and things were going going wrong, and he's being chased. And um, so I would like you to, this, this is actually his prayer, but maybe you would read this passage out loud with me. If you just read along with me from Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So, Lord, today, um, as we wander into a topic that, um, that can be so hurtful and destructive, but, God, it is so common. Thank you, Lord, for tenderizing our hearts and getting us ready to hear what, what you would say to us through your word today. And we thank you, God, that you're doing that in Jesus' name. Amen. So now, um, now that our hearts are going to be a little opened up to hear what the Lord might say to us, I mean, today's subject could be a little bit difficult this is, this is the time for you right now, just before we get started, where you nudge the person next to you and say, hey, this is going to be for you. Go ahead and do that. Nudge your neighbor and say, listen, this, this, you better hear this today because, okay. Now, if you've got, any, good, got any, any juicy gossip, get it out right now because you're not going to feel like doing it, I don't think, in a few minutes. <laughs> because today we're going to talk about gossip. And now, I, I, I want to say this to you. If you're, if, you're, if you're a regular here or if you're a guest today, um, thanks for, for coming in. If you don't like my message today, or if you just don't like my shirt, or you just don't like me, you can gossip about me later on if you feel like it, okay? I mean, that's, that's the deal. But I hope that God's going to speak to you in a way that would maybe um, nudge your life somewhere. And um, just, just, just to get kind of get into the flow, how many of you have ever been gossiped about this is not a trick question. I just want to know. You, you know, I think I think all of us have somebody's talked about us at some point in our life, and you know, it's painful. It is. It hurts when you know other people are talking about you. And you know, in my line of of work, it's it's a it's just kind of part of the game. It happens a lot. I mean, it ought not to, but it does happen. And um, um, you know, I heard this heard about these four preachers who. We're meeting regularly for a regular gathering that they had. And, and during the conversations, one of the four guys says, hey, you know, we tell our people that it's really helpful to confess our sins to each other. And, you know, we really ought to do that. So why don't we kind of do that? Let's trust each other and share our, our, you know, share a little bit about what we struggle with. And they talked about it and they decided to do that. So first guy confessed. He says, yeah, I, my problem is I, I know I ought not to do this, but I like to go to the beach because I like to look at the girls on the beach more than I ought to. Second guy confessed. He says, yeah, well, I like to smoke gar- cigars and um, gamble online. And, uh, oh, okay. So, and then the third one, you know, it's going to get a little bit more heated as it goes. Third one says, yeah, I like to shoplift. And I know that's wrong, but I have this trouble shoplifting. And, and the fourth guy wouldn't confess. He wouldn't talk. He clams up and they started hammering on him. Say, come on, you know, we shared, we shared, you got to share too. What's your secret? And he, he says, finally, he says, he says, well, my problem is gossip, and I can't hardly wait to get out of here. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've ever had one of those really awkward moments where you've walked into a room or walked, came up on a conversation, and all of a sudden it stopped. And you know that you were the subject of the conversation. It's awkward, and, um, and it's, it, it, it can be really weird, and, and I think that in our culture today, a lot of people really think that gossip is, is a necessary part of getting through the workday. I mean, you know, hey, 
I'm, I'm not supposed to tell anybody this, but you've got to hear. And, and then they go on with something or, you know, wait till you hear what everybody's saying. Or, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something that you really want to hear about. I mean, they, they say these things and all of those are like hooks. And instantly, I mean, it's hard to shake that hook, right? You want to flop like a big marlin, but somehow you kind of also want to stay on the line. And, and we think, well, I don't know. Is it really that big of a deal? I mean, how big a deal is this? Because everybody's doing it. So I want to start by trying to define gossip a little bit, and then we'll see what God says about it. I looked at lots of definitions. In fact, if you go on the internet and just say define gossip, there are lots of definitions out there. And, um, you know, I, I, the one I like the best is not a good, it's not a literal one, but I think it's very practical, and it's from a pastor named Rick Warren, so I'm going to share that with you. When we're talking about a situation with somebody who is neither a part of the problem or a part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. And that was Rick Warren. Um, pretty interesting perspective. Talking about something with someone who's not a part of the solution or a, part of, uh, a solution to the problem, we're probably gossiping. Well, how big a deal is that? Well, let's see some of the things that God says about that. And we'll start back again in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 16, and then verse 19. Verse 16 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. He doesn't just not like them. He hates these things. He's got some passion. There's some steam in the boiler room about this topic, okay? And then in this really short list of things, it's a short list, six or seven, right? That's a short list. You could come up with more than that pretty easily. Um, he, he gets to verse 19, and he says this. God despises a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God cannot stand. He, he, he detests gossiping. Now, I ask myself, I wonder why, you know, why gossip would make this short list. I mean, I get that it's on a list, but... In the top six or seven, that's, that's pretty rare air for the things that we could do that, that uh, make heaven unhappy, I suppose. I mean, that's, w- what gets it up there? And I think there are several reasons. I, I come up with maybe about three or so, and you could probably come up with some too. And um, I mean, what, okay, so one possibility, why, God, why this would make God's short list. And, and I don't know about you. Somebody can gossip about me, and um, it hurts, and, and, I'll, and, I, and it does happens, and it hurts, and I can get through that. But what will really get under my skin is if you gossip about my children or my wife, my family. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I mean, I mean, I mean I'm, uh, okay, I, I mean, I really, I, here's, here's why I learned this. I mean, I grew up... Um, somewhat connected with the governmental politics of, you know, of our, of our state, because, you know, being in this community, legislature comes to town, I, I got to be a page and I did all those kinds of things. And so I was exposed to um, political opinions a lot. And I heard them and didn't really understand always sometimes or think through as I adopted my own opinions. Sometimes I just adopted opinions of people around me. I'm not laying this off to anybody else. This is my own stupid thing that came out of my mouth, which you're going to really probably think, you idiot, Terry. Yes, that's the word. Um, 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 I, so I was dating this girl in high school, and her father was a uh, representative, a state representative. <laughs> and I just, we were, I don't know where we were, ice cream shop or some, someplace, and I blurted out this comment about her father. <laughs> And I'm pretty sure that somewhere in the sentence, I used the word idiot. 
couldn't laugh at me because like, what an idiot, Terry. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure I did. I mean, everything after that kind of became a blur because um, this, this girl who rightly and righteously turned and said, that is my father. And I just had never <laughs> really thought about the fact that I was, that somebody might disagree with me about anything for one, one reason. <laughs> but, 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 but I, I just, I just, I said something, I gossiped about a man I didn't really know to his daughter. And I got a reaction there that I have never forgotten. I mean, I've never forgotten that because I was an idiot. I was so wrong to be talking that way. I was so wrong to have reached those conclusions in my heart about a man I didn't know. I was so wrong to go a step further and say it to his daughter. And then I also learned the proper way to stand up for your loved ones. I mean, she taught me that too. She has no idea. It wasn't Lisa, by the way. It should have been Lisa I was dating. And I repent that I wasn't with Lisa. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, you were next. Next and last, right? (laughs) I love you, honey. Um, So, and best, yes. And I don't say things about her mother or her father. Um, um, But, you know, I mean, you know, and, and I, and, and some of the things that maybe get gossiped that maybe are said about you um, or your children, they could say something that's about my children. They could even be true. It wouldn't change the fact that the steam level comes up and, um, you know, I get fired up. And I think that every time that you and I might talk negative about someone, there's a real good possibility that we're talking about the son or the daughter of God. And that might be one reason that it's so offensive to him. And what's odd about this, this is that this incredibly wrong and hurtful, this, this whole thing of gossip, there is something sickeningly attractive about it. In fact, Proverbs 18.8 says that the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. There is just something, it's just sick. But it's enjoyable. There's, it, that's why it's sick. That there's just something about it in, in this destructive sin of gossip and participating in it. Last week we talked about lying. And we tried to dig down and get down to the level of motive and the root of that sin. And I want to try and do that again today. And so I was looking into the, the, the reasons why. And there are lots of surveys out there where they ask people questions. Why do you gossip? And um, that's a good question for us to ask. Why do you participate in gossip? If you ever do, I mean, why, why, why would you allow your tongue to start, you know, participating in the stuff? What drives us and what drives me to gossip? Here are some of the answers that I found in some surveys out there. Just simple things. And this, these you might have thought. Well, honestly, if I'm sharing gossip, it makes me kind of feel important. Another one: I've got the power in that situation. All of a sudden, I feel elevated. Other people said. When I'm hearing gossip, it makes me feel better about myself. When someone else looks bad, it makes me feel good about myself. Here's one that really bothers me. They all bother me, but this one bothers me. I've got such a boring and dull life. When I hear something juicy about someone, it entertains me. (laughs) The bottom line is, I mean, I've looked at a lot of reasons, and you you may do that too. I could not find a single good reason 
to participate in gossip. In fact, every reason that I might do it, every reason that I might gossip is actually a reflection of darkness that's right down in here. So why do you think God hates gossip? It could be because it makes his children look bad and he just doesn't like that. And I believe his feelings, I'm going to take that line of thinking, I believe his feelings are exactly the same when it comes to the church. How God feels about talk about the church. I don't mean crossroads. Crossroads is part of the church. But I mean, I think he feels exactly the same. And I mean, I, I, I have made some conclusions, which they're strong ones, and I'll, you'll understand why in a minute. But I try desperately. Now, I make mistakes with it, but I try not to talk poorly about other churches. Now, other churches, when, when I want to qualify that and say, um, if a church is a cult or a church is teaching worship of a false god, I will be upfront about that and say, stay out of that place. It'll drag you down. It'll destroy your life. Da, 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 da. It's bad stuff. You can't trust it. I don't mind saying that. But when it comes to a church that teaches the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, where this is the foundation of what they do. I don't have much to say. I don't want to have anything negative to say. You know, they may, they may do it better than we know how to do it. They may not do it as well. They may do it differently. All of those issues f- fade into irrelevance. The irrelevant question is, do they teach the name and the salvation by Jesus Christ? Do they teach that this is the word of God? That's what's relevant. And if that's what they're doing, I want to do this to them, not that. I just really, really feel strongly about that. And, and uh, I think that when we talk sometimes about other churches in an, anything other than a positive way, I start thinking about how God must think about that because we're talking literally about Jesus died on the cross to give birth to his bride, the church. He paid an awful price to give birth to, the, to his bride. And we're talking about his bride. And I just, just think that when we do that, our tongue can become this destructive weapon. And there's this promise that's tucked into scripture that speaks to that. And it just, I don't want to have anything to do with this. It's, it's from the prophet Isaiah. Catch this. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. That's us, servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is from me. So if we allow our tongue to become a weapon formed against God's children, I think God hates that, and I think it breaks his heart. The picture to me is God going like, oh, stop it, Terry. Don't you know how much I want to bless you? I can't participate in this. You've become a weapon formed against my bride. I can't make you prosper anymore. I want to prosper. Do you want to prosper? I mean, we want to prosper. And when our tongue becomes this weapon formed against anyone who can claim the right to this God promise, we become a weapon formed against them. And God who wants to prosper you all of a sudden can't. Yes, can't, not won't. He can't because he's made this promise. No weapon formed against you will promise, will prosper. And I, by the way, if you're discouraged because people at work are hammering on you, they're talking about you, and you pay a price, and you can't, 
You can't get what's rightfully yours by way of promotions or a work situation. That can be so discouraging. And they talk about you. But here's what the Lord promises you about that. People that knowingly choose to do that to you will not prosper. And I've watched that happen in my life. I've watched people that just decided to be evil. Anti-Terry people. (laughs) Not that I'm any more special. I'm not. I'm exactly the same as you. But I've watched the Lord do this for me. And it's, it's, I just don't want to be on the receiving end because there's a curse at the end of that, shall not prosper. And I just don't want that ever to be us. So I, I think the Lord hates that. He doesn't hate us. He hates that because he sees us when we use our tongue and become that way. He sees us almost like we are walking out from underneath his blessing. Stop it, Terry. Get back over here. The blessing is here. Why are you going out there? Get that unruly tongue back into your mouth and get back over here. I want you over here. And I just really, that's how I see that. So um, my second reason is that we walk out away from underneath God's blessing. The third reason that I see that he hates is because I think that it reflects the, 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 the darkness, the sinfulness that's, that circulates down in the human heart because there is never any good reason ever, ever, ever to gossip. I know everybody does it. I know everybody does it, but it just doesn't please the Lord. So as followers of Jesus, you know, we believe that God is calling us to live higher than our culture, to live in ways that his word can bless, to live in ways that please him. So no matter what everybody else is doing, we live in ways that are pleasing to him. So how do we overcome this sin of gossip? I mean, I mean, there's a lot of scripture on this subject, and I'm going to cherry pick a few and broke it down into, I think, three questions that we can ask that I believe would be helpful to us to overcome the sin of gossip. So when we're talking to somebody, um, the first question we need to ask ourselves, if we start wondering about the conversation, is it wandering? Here's the first question. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Everybody say that with me. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Thank you. Ephesians 4, we, we read the story about this guy who um, at one point in scripture, he's called Saul. Another point, he's called Paul. He becomes, he gets renamed by the Lord. He has an encounter with God and, and um, he writes an awful lot of the New Testament. And, and before he got saved, he was saying some very hurtful, very, very destructive things about Christians. And, um, and then his tone changed dramatically. And here's what he says in Ephesians 4, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up. I'm going to reread that. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of, out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up. Is my conversation helpful or is it hurtful? Proverbs 16, Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived, he says this, verse 27, scoundrels, don't you love that word? <laughs> scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. Your words can actually burn up lives. Catch that? He goes on to say, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Is, is my conversation being helpful or is it hurtful? And I, and I want to ask you to ask yourself those questions. Just really be honest with yourself, you know, and in fact, and I've been doing that same thing. Um, I mean, I just want to look truthfully at my life and I, and I think I do okay a lot, but I know I don't do a hundred percent on this. And if I look back in my rearview mirror, it was less percentage good than it is now. Did that make sense? I mean, I'm growing in this, but I look back and I think, you know, 
And as a pastor, I just cannot afford to be a gossip. I just can't afford to do that because, you know, in my God-given role, I mean, I, it's part of my role is to carry sometimes the intimate details of things that are going on in people's lives. And, and as I help shepherd them through some process and I just, so I just cannot be a gossip and I'm not, I'm not. And, um, yet I'm going to give you an example or two of some places that I've struggled in the past. And I look past and, uh, and, and I'm not proud about this. Okay, but um, but this might make sense to some of you. If one of the one of the things that I know I've done before is something. I'm just going to be nice to myself, and I'll just call it a compliment sandwich. Okay, that's where you say something really nice about the person, then you tuck in the gossip, then you put the other layer of the Oreo on there, another nice chocolatey. You get what I'm saying here? You know, somebody will say, "Hey, what do you think about so and so, pastor?" Right, a pastor, and uh, oh, I really like the guy. He loves the Lord. Oh, but I'm not really crazy about the way he teaches. And I'm not sure about how their church uses money. I'm not quite in agreement with that. And I've noticed he's gone a lot um, traveling. So I wonder how much, you know, if he's neglecting his church. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of pouring it on for your, for your benefit here. That wasn't my conversation yesterday about anybody, by the way. Um, but, but I really like the guy. Did you get that? Compliment, gossip, compliment. <laughs> so we package it in a nice jawbreaker format so that the outside looks good and it's shiny and it tastes good. But if you b- bite down hard, it breaks your tooth. Um, and um, so, I mean, compliment, gossip, compliment. And, I mean, here's another thing as Christians. You know where one of the hotbeds of gossip takes place in the church is in the prayer meetings, Right? <laughs> this, this room is too silent for me. You're going to give me a complex. I mean, don't agree. Don't, yeah, yeah, they're horrible. No, I mean, but I mean, I mean, that's, if you have experience in the body of Christ and you've been to prayer meetings going back over years, you, you probably at least once have sat in a meeting that somebody started sharing something. Maybe right-hearted at first, but it went beyond where it should be and it got into gossip. I mean, I mean it's, it's something as a leader I'm very careful about. And I, I want to say this too. We have prayer ministry in this church and they are mature people I would trust with the details of my life because they're not gossips. They're not. And in fact, um, after services, we regularly have people available to pray with you. And they'll, is it on this side where they come now? Yeah. So over here after service, if you want someone to pray with you about anything, they would want to pray with you. And they will forget the details unless you ask them to remember the details. You don't have to tell them the details. But if you want to, you can, and you can do it knowing that they're going to hold your confidence. So I wanted to give that disclaimer. But, but prayer meetings, I mean, if you've ever been to a prayer meeting before, you know, the first thing is you show up with people you don't know, and you're sitting with a bunch of strangers, and then you try to greet them, and the first guy, you shake hands with him, and, you know, you get this wet fish thing for a handshake. It's like, come on, you want to grab that thing and say, you know, you know is there any life there, you know? And then the next guy you shake hands with, and he's a professional hand squeezer. He's the other end of the spectrum. And so you start holding hands and you're praying and um, he's squeezing so hard, you know, and he, the louder he prays, the tighter he squeezes. And when he gets to the Jesus part, your veins start to bulge in your neck. I'm probably not selling our prayer ministry very well. And that's not our prayer ministry, by the way. But you get to the prayer meeting and somebody says, you know, what do we need to pray about? And one of them will say, oh, I'll tell you what. We need to pray for sister so-and-so because, you know, I drove by and the other night her car was parked in front of her boyfriend's house and it was there pretty late. And I went back again and at three in the morning, it was still there. And then at seven in the morning, it was still there. I'm thinking, what are you doing driving around? But 
Um, and, and, and she's living in sin. She's shacked up and that dishonors God. And we need to pray. I mean, and it goes on. And, 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 and then you end up spending an hour and 45 minutes talking about sister so-and-so. And there's no, there's no longer any time to pray. And that's not what prayer meetings are supposed to be about. <laughs> says our prayer, one of our prayer leaders. And, and it's not what they're about. And, um, but it's a place. And I mean, I think we, we, we start thinking, well, but these things are true. Her car was there. I'm not sharing. I'm not making anything up here. These things are true. As if somehow, because they're true, it's okay for us to talk about them. But that's not the threshold in the word of God, whether it's true or not. That is not what the word of God teaches about what we talk about. It's whether it's helpful or hurtful. In fact, everything you say should be true. But everything that's true doesn't need to be said. Let's do that one again. When you're talking, everything you say should be true. But not everything that's true needs to be said. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? Because I want my words to lift people up, not to tear them down. Is it helpful or hurtful? The next question to ask is, am I making private matters public? Am I taking something that should have been kept in confidence and making it public? You know, Solomon has more to say about that too in Proverbs 11, verse 12 and 13. It's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps quiet. A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Am I making a private matter public? I mean, I'll share an example um, of one. And I, I'm not going to go into much detail here for obvious reasons. And I have 28 years of being a pastor or maybe more than that. It's a lot. Um, and so this is far enough in the past. I don't know if anybody in this room would um, know who I'm talking about here. But I'm going to ask you not, if, if, if you think you can figure this out, don't do that. Don't let your mind, I want to make a point here and I don't want you thinking gossip things in your mind, okay? But um, I, I've, I've worked with a lot of couples and the issues have been adultery. And, um, you know, where one or the other has committed adultery, and it's always tragic, and there's just it's terrible to work through that. And I can think of this one example where, by the grace of God, um, because of repentance and grace and forgiveness, they were turning it right side up again. They were going to be fine, and... Um, and sometimes, you know, you work that through and it's a very small circle of people that are aware because you just don't, everybody doesn't need to know about this. this. Um, but at, 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 over time, it becomes appropriate for a little bit larger group of trusted people to help shoulder this and help the brother and the sister walk through this. In this particular case, it was a, it was a man who had committed adultery. And uh, um, they were doing fine. And I feel like they were, they were on their way to recovery. And when the information expanded to that second layer, it was fine for a while until one of the people in that second layer decided she needed to tell someone else to pray for this couple. And that person took it and, and it went. And then word got out there in the body of Christ. And the thing about adultery is that one of the characteristics of adultery is there's a lot of shame involved. For the person who is the violator and for the person who has been violated, they both feel shame. And when word got out in this community of, of, of a marriage that had been fractured but was healing, I really believe they would have been fine. But when word got out, 
this woman was so humiliated, she started feeling like she couldn't be seen anymore. And it got worse and it worse, and ultimately it caved in, and she divorced the guy. And I look back at that now, and I think, um, if I was going to do an autopsy on this, why this marriage died, I don't think it was because of adultery. I think it was because of gossip. Because a lot of marriages have survived in adultery. They have. And they're, they're, uh, uh, they can be a thriving, good, excellent, wonderful marriage. And this one fell apart. And I think it was because of, because of gossip. And, you know, like another example is in our social, social, this, the social structure, you know, social media structure that we live in. It's so easy. You get a text and you think, oh, well, I can just take this cut, copy, paste, and send it on to other people. <laughs> and um, if that was the intention of the one who sent it to you, then fine. But otherwise, it really can be another form of gossip. And, and um, is it, am I taking something that was meant to be private and making it public is the question I'm asking. And I say to myself, I'm just not going to be a part of that for a couple of reasons. You know, One is I want to protect other people, and I'm going to. It was just a choice I made. And another one is I want to protect myself. I mean, I want to protect my reputation that I'm a trustworthy person and that I can keep confidences. Proverbs 25, 9 and 10 says this. It says, when arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. Others may accuse you of gossip and you will never regain your good reputation. Never is a long time. And your reputation is so precious so valuable. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Am I making private matters public? So the next question I would ask is this. Am I permitting others to gossip? Am I permitting others to gossip? Proverbs 17, 4 says this. Wrongdoers. Everybody say wrongdoers. Wrongdoers. (laughs) Good. Just want to make sure you're awake. Wrongdoers. Wrongdoers eat. Not you're not wrongdoers. Well, I'm not saying you're a wrongdoer. Sorry. Okay, Terry, get back on track. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Liars pay close, close attention to slander. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. In, in other words, it's wrong to speak the gossip, but it's also wrong to listen to gossip. It's also wrong to let it go into your ears. Why? Because what you permit, you promote. What you allow is something to go on is something you are enabling. You're facilitating it. You're promoting. What you permit, you promote. Wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. So if somebody else is saying to you, hey, I got to tell you this. You're not going to believe what I'm going to tell you, you know. What we need to lovingly do, lovingly, lovingly, what we need to lovingly do is draw a line in the sand and say, hey, hold on a minute. I, I really can't go there with you. Because if I permit it, then I'm promoting it. You don't have to say that part, right? That's condescending. Don't do that. Um, and, and here's something else for you to consider this. If they will gossip to you, they will also gossip about you. Ever seen the movie Mean Girls? Okay. That just says it all. Then I also heard something about weed. What was it? The rumor weed, yes. Do you know what the rumor weed is? All of, all of the people who have little children know what the rumor weed is because it's veggie tales, right? Okay, anyway. 
So um, I don't have any illustrations about the rumor weed. I'm just ignorant. Okay, so I want to get practical and think about this. So if you're going to draw this line in the sand and say, hey, no, we're not, we can't go there. I think there's lots of ways to do that. And, um, <clears throat> and I think that any way that you do that is okay, so long as the way that you do it is loving. All right? Okay? But I'll give you a couple of examples of, of just to kind of help you start thinking about ways you'll, because you will encounter gossip, and you'll decide then whether you're going to stop it, stop, stop it or permit it whether you're going to facilitate it and, and participate in it or stop it. You're going to make those decisions. So I'll give you a couple of examples of ways you can do that. Okay, so let, I'll, I'll, say, I'll give you one sensitive way. I'll give you one direct way. And I'll give you one way with attitude, okay? Attitude is fun. If you can do it lovingly, more power to you. I don't know if you can pull that off. I can't, but so I'll still give you an attitude lesson here, okay? Okay, <laughs> okay so here's the sensitive one. You say, hey, you know, I think if so-and-so hurt us, talking about this. They might misunderstand our hearts. Let's maybe move to a subject that couldn't be misunderstand, misunderstood if they were to hear these words. Okay. That's sensitive, right? Okay. So that's a sensitive one. Here's a direct one. Um, hey, you're talking about my friend and um, a couple of things. You need to know that whatever you say to me, I'm going to repeat it back verbatim. Besides that, I know, I know my friend's heart. Even though this happened to you and it's hurt you, I, I know that he would want to make this right with you. In fact, Jesus would want you to, too. He says in Matthew 18 that if your brother offends you, you go. You go to your friend. You go, you go to him and you talk to him. And so, come on, I'll go with you. I'll help you. How's that for direct, right? You just don't listen to it. You stop it. Now, and then there's the attitude one. I don't know how this will come out. Because if you're going to do the attitude one, you've got to do it right. You know? And some of you, I know, have better attitude than I have because I can just tell. Okay, so um, cat lovers have attitude. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I do that. It's so stupid. Idiot is the word I'm thinking. It is. It's really, I'm going to pay for that. I can tell. I have a video to show you sometime about why dogs are better than cats. It's going to come. It's coming here one of these days. Okay, so um, <laughs> see, I don't know the first law of the hole, which is when you're in, when you stop digging. But I keep shoveling, don't I? So, um, okay, so the thing about the attitude is it starts non-verbally. Before you say a word, you got to do this. So everybody do this. Come on. Attitude lessons. Okay, I'm not doing a very good job. Okay, and so uh, they start talking about it, and the first thing you do is you start, you start the talk. You say, oh, no, you don't. Shut the screen door, right? Okay, <laughs> practice that phrase. Shut the garage door. That, she's saying, no, that doesn't work. Okay, all right. <laughs> And you just say, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about that. That's the attitude, okay. So I don't know how strongly your situation will be, whether you need to pull out the attitude. There's lots of ways to do this. The point is it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as you do it and you do it lovingly. Lovingly. So you might ask the next question, which is, okay, Terry, um, does that mean we can never, ever talk about somebody unless they're physically present? That's not what I said. You can talk about somebody in positive, glowing terms all day long. No limits there. Letter buck. Okay? You can do that. But, but can we talk about them when they're not there in a way that will help them? Okay. I think, yes, that's possible. But the number of times that happens needs to be really, I mean, it should be really, really rare. 
It should be rare that you need to have a conversation to help somebody out that's, that's not there in person. I mean, and, and if you're going to talk about somebody else in anything other than really glowing terms and they're not there, it should be really, really rare. And then to do that, if you're going to do that, I've got a couple of rules for me. These are my rules. Maybe you've got your own, but I'm going to tell you what I would do if I think I'm supposed to talk about somebody and they're not there, okay? And it's not going to be good. I've got a couple of rules. First, first rule for me is I'm going to be saying something constructive that I would say if the person was standing there with me. Notice I didn't just say, I would say it if they were here. You get the distinction. It's not like, well, if she was here, I'd give her a piece of my mind. No, no, no. It's constructive things that I would say if the person was here. So I'm careful to form my thoughts and my words so that it's a constructive, positive thing. And I wouldn't be ashamed to say it to that person in person. You get the distinction there. So something constructive... And my rule is that it needs to be constructive, not confrontive. Now, for those of you who are English majors, I realize there's no such word as confrontive, right? But it rhymes, and you understood me. (laughs) And just to keep you in your place, there's also no such word as confrontative. Look them up. Neither one of them are in the the dictionary. Confrontational is a word, but it didn't rhyme, okay? So now why did I go into all that? Because you'll remember it, right? Second rule for me is that if I'm going to have this conversation that's um, constructive and I would be willing to say, everybody that's participating in that has to be there for the purpose of helping the person. That's it. No exceptions. If there's anybody there that just wants to come along and pick up the trash, I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. I just can't do that. I I just can't do that. And a a good example, you know... um, there, there are some scenarios where that can kind of happen, where, where you, you're going to help somebody maybe with some sort of an addiction problem or, or they're walking away from God or they're walking away from a relationship that they shouldn't. And so you have a small circle of people and you're regulars together and you know this person and you say, hold on a second, you know, we're watching this go on and we love this person too much to let them, we're going we're gonna to do something and confront them and help them. I mean, there was something earlier this week in the morning on Good Morning America where there was an interesting article where this woman was suffering from anorexia and um, she was going every morning to the gym and I think she was in her 70s, pounds. And um, five, five or five, six in 75 pounds or 80 pounds, she was dangerously, she was killing herself. And there were a group of people in this gym and the article was about what this group of people who barely knew her, they knew her at the gym and they talked to each other about this. This, have you seen this? This does not look good. And it wasn't gossip because they said, we got to do something about this. And they made a plan. And one morning, they knew her routine. One morning, they all parked. They parked in different places so she wouldn't see all their cars together. Maybe you saw the article. And, and when she got there, they stopped her and said, you know what? You're doing some things to yourself. This is destructive, and we're going to take you to the hospital. She let them take her. She, they took her to the hospital. And now the article, here she is, and she's healthy. She's still working out. But, but they saved her life. They interviewed her father. These people who barely knew my daughter saved my daughter's life. That's an example of constructive conversation about someone. You know, or maybe, and I've seen this before too, where a group of guys who are friends look at one, one guy and he's walking away from a marriage for another woman. And, and they've said, oh no, no you're not. Not while we're around here. We love you too much. We love her too much. We're not going to let you throw your life away, hurt these people. You are going to get this squared away. And I've seen them 
make a plan and come up with it and confront a guy and turn him. That's, those are positive examples of discussing with someone. It doesn't always work, um, but those are positive examples. Because the bottom line here, and it summarizes everything that we're going to share about this, is that your words matter. The things you say are so important. And I love to say this when I'm doing a wedding. You know, it's probably, apart from, apart from getting them to make vows to each other before God and witnesses, I like to say to the man and the woman, think about the things you're saying now and in a year or two, because you're going to plant things that are going to sprout and grow. The things you say, and you say repeatedly, will be, that you say now, in 10 years are going to be a tree in your life, in your future. Do you want that to be encouragement? Do you want that to be fruit-bearing? Do you want that to be shady and peaceful? Or do you want it to be thorny? The words you say matter. And Jesus said something that's pretty jarring almost about this in Matthew 12. These are the words of Jesus. He says, but I tell you that everyone will have to give account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. Wow. I want that to be as short a meaning as I can possibly get to. Because I have some words that I have to account for. I, I don't want to have a long meeting there. Um, right? Verse 37. For by your words you'll be acquitted, and by your words you'll be condemned. Your words really, really matter. And what I need to understand is that my words have the power of life, and they have the power of death. And every time you catch me, any of you catch me talking about someone, I want you to catch me saying things that, that are speaking well about somebody. I mean, I want to be caught saying things that are helpful and not hurtful. I, I want to ca- be caught believing the best about people, not, not assuming the worst about people. I want to be a part of the solution to building other people up, not, not a part of ever, ever being a part of tearing them down. I want my words to be seasoned with grace and full of love. You know, seasoned with salt and full of grace is what the scripture in, in Colossians says. Lifting people towards the things of God. I want them to be helpful and encouraging and full of blessing, never full of curses. Because our words are powerful. And when we, when we speak, we are reflecting our God to people around us. You know, when he created the earth, how God created the earth, he spoke. It was the words that created creation. And the primary message of Christianity is the gospel. You know what the word gospel actually translates to good news. It translates to good news. So rather than being a conduit for bad news or death or pain or destruction, I want to be a vessel of good news. I want to be about truth and I want to be about grace and I want to be about what the good things are that God does in the lives of people. So when other people say to you, hey, it's not that big a deal. You know, it's not really hurting anybody. I want you just to flat reject that premise. Reject that premise. Because words are powerful and because God calls you and me to a higher standard. Let's pray. Father, today, I pray that by the power of your living word, and you know, you're the one who transforms lives, God, that our hearts would open to what you're saying to us about our tongue. Not that I detect a problem in this church, Lord, but I'm so grateful that you would want to lead us to a place today that prevents us from being there tomorrow. And God, I pray that our conversations would now be different. 
because we've been in your presence today. Lord, guard our conversations with your spirit. Lord, when I'm talking about other people, I pray that you would help us with these questions that do come to our mind that we'd ask, am I being helpful or hurtful? And am I making something that's supposed to be private, public, Lord? And am I permitting someone to say something that breaks your heart? Because God, I want my words to be words of life, not words of death. Lord, we want our words to be honoring and life-giving. God, I, I, I would ask the Lord too that you would heal us where we need healing. And God, I think for some of us today, we've been swept in the currents of this. Maybe not here, maybe at work, or maybe not at work or school, but maybe in our home. God, forgive that, please. Forgive us where we have failed you, especially with our tongue. Because we want to stand in the scripture that says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. We also don't want to be the weapon, God. So thank you that, you know, I, I just, for some reason, Lord, I'm thinking about the prodigal son who wandered away. And the thing was that the father did not lock the boy up. The boy who was intent on wandering out from underneath his father's covering and blessing was permitted to go there. And you don't want us to go there, but it's our free choice and you permit us that. But the good part about that is when we turn, you're so thankful and, and, and there's a party, I think, that goes on when heaven says, oh, look, at Terry has turned and he's coming back. Come on, let's have a party. This is great news. So for people in this room who would look at their yesterdays or even their todays, their this mornings and say, oh man, I'm embarrassed. I'm ashamed. Will God let me back? I just would say to you that the Lord would say to you, come on home, come on home. Eyes are closed right now. And I would ask every person to close their eyes, even musicians and singers. And if you would say to the Lord, God, I am sorry. Help me get this squared away. I just would stick your hand up and down real quickly and nobody's looking. And thank you, God, for your willingness, Lord, to draw us home. I thank you, Lord, for hands and for hearts that are responding to your spirit. In your precious name. Thank you, Lord.